0: What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and TheRinger.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Once COVID happened, I was just like, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. What does filmed for
2: IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look
0: great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly
2: experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio.
0: and welcome to trial by content the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the coliseum of contentious opinion so we can all decide what wins each week your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic set the specific rules and rumble until a consensus is reached then with input from you the listener base we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a final four nominee poll that will decide one true trial by content winner hello i am dave gonzalez
2: I'm
1: Jonah Robinson. And I'm Neil Miller.
0: And it's a good week to discuss this topic because Top Gun Maverick is tearing through theaters on the back of the re-release of Morbius, which utterly failed. <laughs> An appearance <laughs> in a franchise movie doesn't mean success at the box office, but for the people we'll be talking about today, it means a good time. Who, in the long history of media's love of franchise, deserves the title of Greatest Franchise All-Star? But first... We have to green light our own legacy sequel based off last week's poll.
2: Joanna, how did we do? It always brings me great pleasure to read these results to you, but it brings me especially great pleasure this week to announce that I absolutely decimated everyone <laughs> in the poll this week. At the bottom of the list with the voting with his heart is Dave's Flight of the Navigator uh, sequel series. Uh, That's the a- only one you guys are actually getting. How, how dare you? <laughs> just above I will him. see you on Disney+. <laughs> Just above him is the listener's submission of the Joy Luck Fight Club, which was actually my personal favorite, and I'm mad that more people didn't vote for it. Uh, Neil's The Abyss 2, despite Neil making an incredible poster for it in Photoshop and tweeting it, uh, only got in second place, and many, many votes ahead of him comes (laughs) my submission of Point Break Legacy. Uh, No one one can uh, top... Action Keanu. So that's uh that's where we are. We should have point, known that going
0: into in to, uh to to that argument that action Keanu would have been harder to beat.
1: I didn't think that people were gonna go along with uh, point break with no Swayze, but Keanu, the power of Keanu overwhelmed us.
2: Strong Keanu and Wyatt Russell, if I remember correctly. Apparently, yeah. Correct. <laughs> A winning combination. You're welcome, America. Okay, this week. Um as Dave mentioned, like Top Gun and Morbius. Uh, I don't know how morbid you are, but Morbius is is uh, on people's minds. Um, but actually, the the real reason we're here to talk to you about franchise uh, kings and queens is because uh, the boys is back on Amazon Prime. They dropped the first three episodes. Um, Van and Charles, my pals over in the Ringiverse, broke down the first three episodes, and we'll be back every week. With the boys, I'll be joining them for the for the rest of the of the season. So there'll be plenty of in-depth conversation about the boys. But the reason the boys is tied to this conversation is because of Billy Butcher himself, Carl Irvin, who has been <laughs> in. Let's talk about it. Many a franchise. He's uh, he's good old bones in in Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. He's right. Aomir, Lord yeah. of the Rings. Uh, Robo Ro- hero man in that one. <laughs> Robo man. He's been in the MCU. He's been Judge Shred. He's been all over the place. Carl Urban. He's he's quite the guy, which is not necessarily the future I expected for him back when I I should have known this was coming actually, because when I first met Carl Urban, it was on Xena. Warrior Princess, way back in the day, where he played not only Julius Caesar, but also Cupid, two completely different characters with only like a really bad bleach job, sort of distinguishing between the two, and like <laughs> a complete lack of shirt on one. I'll let you guess which one. Um, so so yeah, this is this just in honor of Carl Urban and also the boys. Uh Neil, I know you've watched the first three episodes of, of this new season of The Boys. Emmy nominated drama series, mm-hmm. The Boys. <laughs> Neil, how do you feel about it?
1: I mean, I feel good. I love that this is tied to the boys. One, because it's a show that I enjoy because it gets sort of really deep into uh, how would real superheroes coexist with uh, modern capitalism and how that would be extremely dark. And so I think I find that fascinating. I also think it's really interesting because Carl Urban is a great example of an actor who has... Shown up in some supporting roles in a lot of franchises, but then he does The Boys, and he's sort of the centerpiece. You know, eventually you live long enough to graduate and become the star of a franchise, mm-hmm. and uh, I love that for Carl Urban because he uh, not only is a great actor, but I've met him once or twice. He's just oh. a lovely man. I always I tell this story of one of my favorite set visits ever. I went to the set of the movie Red, which is another franchise in which Carl Urban uh acts. <laughs> and Carl Urban showed up on his day off to come talk to us, just a bunch of blogger dorks visiting the set in in New Orleans. So he was just just a lovely guy and I love any time we get to talk about Carl Urban.
2: I think that um yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to pick the star of the boys because it could be Carl Urban, it could be Anthony Starr, who is incredible, sure. but also maybe a bad human being. So we'll see. Um, and then there's Jack Quaid, who is like looking increasingly like his father. Like the older he gets, and the more <laughs> he like furrows his brow. The season I saw Dennis Quaid the most in in Jack mm-hmm. Quaid's uh, worried face. Uh, Dave, you can You seem to care a lot about abuses of power. <laughs>
0: In, sure. In systems of
2: government and capitalism, what do you think the boys has to say about that, and how well does it say it? I mean, I really like how it
0: says it. Uh, I still miss uh, Elizabeth Shue. It's been it's been a time, uh, but I do like how much they're probing into uh, just blatantly. Like, not only are the people like Neil and I who are looking for corporate owned superheroes obvious, uh, obviously picking up what they're laying down. Uh, But I love the boys' way to bring it in very specifically with those characters, both good and bad, and just with uh, um, amazing visuals uh, that have people talking. You got to have that hook to bring people in. But I I think, you know, it is the most entertaining version of we shouldn't have capitalist superheroes. Uh, Pray we never get a more realistic one.
2: I think that... um... Obviously, people have already started talking about the disgusting, gory, <laughs> awful, wonderful things that already happened the first three episodes of the season of the boys. It's it's gets even more so as the season goes on, to be honest with you. This is this is only we've only just begun. Um, but I, I think that one of the great additions the season uh, is supernatural alum, Jensen Ackles, king of the conventions, Jensen Eccles as a soldier boy, or as I like to call him winter soldier boy. Um, basically, they're, <laughs> basically, they're doing winter soldier. But what's really funny is that Jensen Eccles isn't doing too much of a voice this season, but he's kind of doing Chris Evans, like a little bit, um, which is a really interesting choice. Like it's not quite his voice. And if you close your eyes, it sounds like Chris Evans. So I, I think what is really fun about the boys is how unafraid they are. And this is true of a lot of Seth Rogen uh, fronted stuff is how um, unafraid they are to fuck with, excuse my language, uh, but we're talking about the boys uh, things that a lot of people hold very dear and they do it with love. So like, it's not, it's not punching down at superhero stories. (laughs) Um, it's not saying they're dumb or they're stupid or that power fan- the power fantasy of the superhero story, but it's saying it's worth interrogating and that it's done from inside the house. It's done with love by people who love comic books and love superheroes, but also isn't this kind of fucked up? Wouldn- wouldn't a reality with superheroes be kind of fucked up? What do you think about that, Dave?
0: I absolutely agree. The boys existing means we don't have to have Zack Snyder's The Fountainhead ever, which is just like a <laughs> bonus for all of humanity. <laughs>
2: Neil? Yeah.
1: That's one good thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I enjoy that in our superhero dominated world, there's also a little corner of it where Captain America is a huge piece of shit. And yeah. that's slash, that's the story.
2: Slash Superman. Like it's, it's sure. it, you know, can't put it in one exact box. But yeah, I and think, I think... Yeah.
1: You know you you mentioned Anthony Starr, and that's one of the things that sticks out to me, especially in this new season of the boys, which is how they continue to find creative ways to amp up the terror of the thought experiment that is. Like what if Superman was really deeply messed up emotionally? and what if what if what if he was basically holding the whole world hostage to his his very uh weird whims and uh, Anthony Starr is like just his whole face is dedicated to giving us the 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 evilest possible version of that superman
2: I think icon. also yeah I think also the show is asking like how would how on earth could Superman not be fucked yeah, up if you right. were that powerful? Like how could you not be? Um and I think also like you know last season of course with with the like uh, Nazi storyline and and mm-hmm. the increasing uh, interaction with social media and all that stuff like that. It has a lot to say about the way we all as a society live now and what we increasingly allow to be okay and all that sort of stuff and and how people will push on those boundaries again and again and again and again. And, again, and no one's holding the line seemingly at all. Um, except for our heroes who are just as fucked up as our villains who are, you know, also emotionally stunted. So yeah, the boys, it's a great show. What a wonderful show. Um, (laughs) since originally for this episode, we were going to do our, uh, it was going to be best superhero costume, but I, I made Mm -hmm. an executive decision that that was not going to be good audio for people. (laughs) Um, But since we're here, uh, do you guys have a favorite superhero costume either on the boys or just in general? Yeah.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. I I really do like Homelander's uh whole shtick, his whole getup on the boys. I think that's probably my favorite one from the show specifically, because it sort of taps into like the sort of like next level up for Superman, which would have been like full on agent of propaganda, right? With like the mm-hmm. American flag cape and so like Superman was able to sort of keep himself as like he protects the american way but he's not like in the american military whereas homelander is just like here comes america to punch you in the face um so i think that's a good one i'll have to think about outside of that uh, let's let's ask dave dave what's mm-hmm. yours
0: um i i think my favorite cinematic uh superhero costume would be the amazing spider-man 2 spider-man suit which is based on the bold colors and big eyes of Mark Bagley's comic book interpretation which was the age I was coming up reading the comic books so seeing that was great seeing it back at the end of last year was also nice in its own uh, little way but if we're going to go like overall talk going way back to those early 90s comics that got me so hooked uh Spawn Spawn has the has Ooh. the living cape
2: Spawn
1: is a great one
2: yeah and the chains
0: the chains you could do stuff with and like granted you're scarred but you could quickly cover your horrible scarred face with a cool demon spawn mask with glowing eyes i think it's pretty cool
2: (laughs) um i'm gonna shout out one from the boys that i love a lot which is the deep um (laughs) and not just because last year the amazon sent me a, a calendar that was just the deep but it was just like photos of chase crawford and various like butt forward positions um but like shout out to the deeps like wet zoot zip up aquaman sort of thing that he has going on shout out to the fact that the butt is sort of like prominently and lovingly framed and featured in the back and then also your knowledge as to what's just underneath the costume uh in the shape of the gills on the deep which is just one of my favorite. Thanks. So disgusting and great. Uh, not to not to gill shame him. Uh Neil, do you have any other better answers now that we've given you time? Um
1: yeah, I want to shout out, let's see, what's the best spandex one and why is it not the Incredibles? Okay. I think the Incredibles is probably the best spandex based one. Um that or the Christopher Reeves Superman was was always sort of iconic up there for sure.
2: Excellent. Well that's that's just a taste of the scintillating conversation <laughs> we could have had about yeah. superhero costumes. Um, but but we'll save that for a future time. Um anything else you guys want to say about the boys before we get into our our franchise all stars this week? I'm very excited that you told
0: me it gets like uh, weirder and grosser as the season goes on. That's always a good that's a good
1: arc for any se- yeah. series. It's it's a real challenge to believe that they can top what they do in the first episode, but I believe you <laughs> that they will.
2: For fans of for fans of the comics, they've already talked about the plot line that they're doing this season. Um, and I will just say that I, even though I was prepared for it, I was not prepared for it. So <laughs> stay tuned and find out. Uh, Neil, what are the rules for our debate this week?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked because we have some very simple. Your choice for the greatest franchise all-star should be a single performer who has built the most impressive portfolio of roles in multiple franchises. And for this, you can include film and television. I'm also going to give you some examples uh, because we have to give out some awards First up is our category crown, which I wanted to give it to someone and throw it all the way back to someone who's been working in franchises since well before any of us on this podcast were born. It is the legend, Christopher Lee, who is in at least eight different franchises. Uh, And that includes, of course, Star Wars as Count Dooku, Fu Manchu. He played Dracula several times was in both of the Lord of the Rings trilogies, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit trilogies, was a villain in James Bond, was in The Three Musketeers, was in the Police Academy movies, and (laughs) at one point in his career played Sherlock Holmes. So to Christopher Lee, who I believe is one of the most high-volume shooters in this particular category, category crown. Our category clown, I had to get a little creative with this one. But this is what I like to call the Hall of Fame of Franchise Killers, which is famous actors, uh, you'll note some similarities between them after I tell you who they are, who have killed an entire franchise in the limited time span of just one movie. (laughs) And the top four of these are as follows. Our friend, number one at the box office, Thomas (laughs) Cruise Mappithur IV, in the film The Mummy which killed an entire dark universe <laughs> in one single film. Shout out to Tom. He's <laughs> he's done great things elsewhere in the franchise uh landscape but not quite here.
2: Do you guys remember the day that the the mummy trailer was released without its like proper without sound finished audio? It
1: was <laughs> great. It's
2: one of the best days I've ever spent on the I internet. I still
1: watch that trailer every <laughs> once in a while. Here's That actually might be when the franchise died.
2: Yep. Um,
1: (laughs) Elsewhere in the Hall of Fame of Franchise Killers is uh, the equally as handsome Jake Gyllenhaal, who in 2010 starred in a movie called Prince of Persia. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Set up multiple sequels that never came.
2: (laughs) Okay. okay, A couple couple things real quickly. It is, of course, problematic that Jake Gyllenhaal is playing Prince of Persia. Extremely. That being said, I love Prince of Persia. All right, I love, that's fair. I love that terrible movie. Anyway, I
1: mean, he worked out really hard for that movie. I think that's probably true of most of these uh, most of these uh, people that we're about mm-hmm. to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, third on my list is Ryan Reynolds, who before finding success, well, who before finding failure and success as Deadpool, was in a little movie called Green Lantern mm-hmm.
0: that spawned
1: negative um, five sequels. <laughs> uh all right and then the fourth one on my list is a movie that i went to the junket for and probably said nice things about at the time but it is taylor kitsch tim Riggins himself in the film john carter
2: oh. which was also <laughs> supposed to be oh, that junket franchise you mean, you said good
1: things after the
0: junket where they flew you to a resort yeah. town to sure. watch the movie mm-hmm.
1: yeah Um, Also in this category, considered for the Hall of Fame, but just off the ballot, Mark Wahlberg for Planet of the Apes. He and Tim Burton conspired to uh, kill a franchise that was later reborn into multiple movies. Uh, Mackenzie Davis, sadly, she's unfortunately getting credit for Terminator Dark Fate, which was Mm. the second time in, I believe, just over or just around a decade that that franchise had killed itself with a movie. (laughs) -hmm. After Terminator Genesis. Uh, And then Luke Evans, who has been very successful in the Fast franchise, but was not so successful when they tried to launch Dracula Untold at Universal.
2: There was also, he was one of like 1 million actors supposed to play the crow at one point. Right? Yeah. So we could have just made a list of all the people who were supposed to play the crow. Like, hey,
0: Jason Momoa, you are going to be the crow. I also like that I had forgotten about Luke Evans because I was like, no, we already talked about Carl Urban, but I guess there's only one successful in that face
1: blindness. Um, there, can, there can only be one. And I
2: thought when you brought up Taylor Kish, you were going to talk about Gambit. But here we are. Okay,
1: here we are. <laughs> so there you go. So those are the that's the Hall of Fame of Franchise Killers, who did it in one movie. Um, just congratulations to all of you. Now we get to a much larger list and potentially a more controversial list, which is our pre-trial dismissals. This is a list of some really great contenders for this debate that you will not hear mentioned either in our picks or the listener picks that we've chosen. And I just kind of can't believe this whole list. But here we go. We have Sigourney Weaver, who's been in a ton of franchises. Vin Diesel, who has... Perhaps the biggest one of the moment. Family. <laughs> it's all about family. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who is collecting oh, them. Uh, franchise
2: Viagra himself.
1: Right? He is, uh, well, he's a he's a hit or miss kind of franchise guy. Uh, some classics from, from the old school, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone has so many that he has not only uh, starred in, but directed and even passed off to other people. We've got some... Best of friends, but dismissed nonetheless, Sir Ian McKellen, Sir Patrick Stewart. Both have racked up many franchises. Uh, we've got Charlize Theron, who has popped up in multiples just in the last couple of weeks. It's uh, <laughs> a new franchise.
2: The boys cameo have her, Charlize Theron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we
1: have Hugo Weaving, who did a little Lord of the Rings, uh, has been in a few, a few other things of the Matrix. We have Samuel L. Jackson perhaps one of the most prolific modern franchise appearers
0: he got he is maybe uh like the only good John McClane friend in a diehard sequel uh, <laughs> sure so I got getting a diehard in there that's so, important yeah.
1: Sam Jackson sadly did not make the list uh we've got some of the other Marvels we've got Chris Evans I didn't even mention I didn't even put Robert Downey Jr on the list but He's been around a few franchises. We've got Jennifer Lawrence. Speaking of Die Hard, we've got Bruce Willis. We've got Lawrence Fishburne. We've got David Tennant, who has not only been Doctor Who, but also in... Uh, wasn't he in a Terminator movie? What was he in recently?
2: I don't know what you're thinking of. You're nope. thinking of Matt Smith, I think. I'm you're probably mixing your, up with Matt you're Smith. You're using your Doctor Whos.
0: <laughs> Technically the same person in that fictional universe. <laughs> sure.
1: Yes. They they played the same character once. Uh, elsewhere, we've got Oscar Isaac. We've got Elizabeth Banks, who's been, who's created her, you know, her own uh, with Pitch oh, Perfect.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, we've got uh, David <laughs> Mulchin, who has been, who's most recently in the Suicide Squad. But also, I love that somebody pointed out that he was in uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman verse as well. Like he's just sort of that guy in the background of a lot of modern franchises. Speaking of people in Batman movies, we have got Zoe Kravitz. We've also got Orlando Bloom, who has been a pirate and an elf.
0: hmm And
1: Paris. Then no, no one remembers. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: the famous Troy franchise. <laughs>
1: uh, We've got Jason Statham, who's been transporting things. We've got Jeremy Renner, who uh, Needs has, those cams. has tried and failed to take over several franchises in his career.
2: Yeah, I, I nominated him for clown, but that's OK. Yeah. He's here. He,
1: he was he's he's, he's in here. the arena. He's Hawkeye.
2: Hot, he's hot <laughs> Get used to
1: him. Uh, we've also got Warwick Davis, who has shown up in so many franchises and is always welcome in every franchise. As far as I'm concerned, uh, we got Mike Myers, who between Austin Powers and Shrek uh, has, oh. has done a few things. Wayne's yeah. World, I guess, counts as yeah. a franchise.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh and then we got two. I These are two big ones here at the end. Uh Andy Circus, who has been a part of almost every major franchise, including directing a Venom movie, uh, to get himself <laughs> into the Sony Marvel verse. And then a dearly departed legendary thespian who was in Harry Potter, who played the Sheriff of Nottingham really well once in his career. Alan Rickman, R.I.P. Wow. Great franchise. Yeah. Uh, player Hans Gruber, Hans Gruber himself indeed
0: I guess so there because you I it. mentioned Morbius we could also throw in Jared Leto and we came across <laughs> Matt Smith uh, uh, organically we? could we
2: <laughs> should we I he's don't know the... man maybe people you are, bit... are Morbin you are like you're full Morb aren't
0: you I mean if you could do a there's a Blade Runner sequel and you know that seems pretty big so much that he's the only person that also wants to come back I guess for Tron 3 so it's like Jared Leto's definitely on the lesser of the franchises. I think Neil there's hat-
1: there's like a <laughs> subcategory of pretrial dismissals this week that I would call like pretrial dropkicks. Like yeah. people that we drop kicked out of this debate, and it's Jared Leto, Ezra Miller, and Johnny Depp.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we enough. have
1: dropkick them off
0: um, of Oh, Hollywood list. superstar Shia
2: LaBeouf. I <laughs> I have, a, I have a quick question for you, Neil Miller. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met anyone in your life who looks more like Dr. Michael, Michael Morbius than Dave Gonzalez looks right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, he probably, knowing Dave, he would be able to get like a suit and probably has enough makeup to like just do a Morbius cosplay today, if you he needed to. He's
2: he's cash he's cash Morbin right now. Cash Morbin. <laughs> T-shirt that's, Morbid. You know?
0: That's wow. that's that's my that's my gro- my groove. And then you Doctor Michael Morbius Casual Friday. All right, <laughs> I'll get rabies from like a bat, and then I'll feel like Morbius. It'll be fantastic. it it'll, it'll all line up. <laughs> all right, let's debate some people that aren't on that list because we have picked people for our opening remarks we're going to debate our three picks then we're going to debate the listener picks but first everybody gets one interrupted minute to make their pitch going in reverse order of uh, last week's winner which means i get to kick it off because none of you appreciate fly the navigators so here (laughs) we go Sure, my pick is not in Star Wars, but we came of an age in a time where there weren't actors being added to the Star Wars canon, so maybe that's not super important. Maybe you sidestep Peter Jackson at the turn of the century and you're still a very good actor. Maybe my pick is so good without being in those notables that people are constantly saying he should play James Bond, one of our earliest franchise kings. I'm talking about Idris Elba who in a lot, is in a lot of franchises and for what he lacks in recurring roles, he more than makes up for with rock-solid performances. Ever since he was Stringer Bell on the Wire, not a franchise, but absolutely notable, Idris Elba has picked up franchise one-and-done roles in the DCEU, Pacific Rim, Star Trek, the Kelvin universe, Fast and Furious, the Hobbs and Shaw spin-off universe, The Dark Tower, never really started, but there was a lot of plans, Finding Dory, Alien, the prequel versions of the aliens, Sonic 2, and that was all after he was in 28 Weeks Later. Sure, you could have him stick around for multiple movies like MCU Heimdall, but then there's the pressure of making good movies around him. Idris Elba is my greatest franchise MVP because he doesn't get to hold one. He gets to hold other people's franchises down.
2: Oh, that was great. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Neil?
1: Well, friends, it's been a really interesting week. It's been quite the journey since we last talked. (laughs) I went out into the pop culture woods looking for a franchise all-star, and I have returned to tell you that I found the franchise GOAT. I'm talking about an actor who has been a franchise centerpiece in the following. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Blade Runner, Jack Ryan. He's also put his magic touch on other franchises like The Expendables, The Secret Life of Pets, The Anchorman Franchise, and technically he was in both American graffiti films, and he was in the most recent version of the 12, yes, 12 adaptations of Jack London's 1903 novel, The Call of the Wild. I am speaking, of course, of the man who has been to the top of every great franchise mountain and then flew himself off in an airplane, Harrison Ford. (laughs)
2: i didn't Uh, know you're gonna invoke the london (laughs) verse yeah
1: honestly there's more but we'll get to it
2: (laughs) all right um so listen when we're talking about franchises we're talking about big money earners for hollywood right of course Mm -hmm. and so who you want as your franchise goat is someone who has made a ton of money for hollywood and so here's what i've got for you today I, i submit Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana, who, because she's been in a few MCU movies you might have heard of, including Mm -hmm. Infinity War and Endgame. Ever heard of them? Um, And James Cameron's The Avatar franchise, uh, 5, 10, 20 sequels upcoming. uh, Still only
1: one real movie so far.
2: (laughs) Is in... Some of the biggest money makers that have ever existed. Uh, she's also, of course, makes an appearance as one of the least problematic uh, uh, players in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and then she's also, she was in Netflix's The Adam Project. And I read an article recently that basically said Netflix is in the Adam Project business. So <laughs> I fully anticipate there will be more projects centering on Adam. Uh, Miss Zoe Saldana. Sure, sometimes she's blue, sometimes she's green, but she's always there. The end. Hey, you all did a good job this time.
0: I'm sorry, I stopped looking at the, the clock for a second when you dropped the Atom Project
1: universe <laughs> bomb on me.
2: <laughs> you may not like it, but it's here.
1: It's part of the Netflix house style cinematic universe.
2: <laughs> They're in the Ryan Reynolds <laughs> business.
0: Oof. Uh, all right, Neil. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're a gentleman had a amazing run as a straight-up movie star. Does the our person for greatest uh, franchise MVP have to seem to like that he's in these movies?
1: <laughs> Actually, it's funny that you mention that because I would make that a point that illustrates some of his power. Like... Think about the level of franchise star, movie star that you have to be to negotiate your way back into a fran, back into the most popular franchise in the history of cinema, just to get your character killed off in one movie, where he's like, "Yes, I'll come back, but I need to be, I need Han Solo to die." And then they're like, "Well, but what about Blade Runner?" He's like, "Yes, I'll come back, but I'm only showing up in a t-shirt and jeans, no costume changes." <laughs> That's the kind of power I'm looking for. But in addition to that, Harrison Ford has also been in the franchise game for so long. I'm going to give you three franchises that existed in the between 1965 and 1980 that he was a part of that went on forever. He was in two episodes of Gunsmoke, which ran for 20 seasons Listen, and spawned five movies. <laughs>
2: no act, no actor living in that time was not on Gunsmoke. Next,
1: <laughs> that's not that's not the point. He guest starred in an episode of Kung Fu, which ran in in 1974, which ran 62 episodes and spawned three TV movies and was rebooted as a TV show in 2021. That's some legacy. And perhaps most impressively, he had an uncredited role (laughs) in the first episode ever of 1968's The Mod Squad a show that would go on to run for five seasons, 124 episodes, spawn a TV reunion movie and a feature film in 1999 that starred Claire Danes. And that's not even to mention the fact that he was in season one of Ironside in 1967 that would later go on to do 200 episodes in one TV movie.
2: Such a bizarre argument. His career
1: (laughs) has always been in franchises that have gone on to be successful. So you just pile that on top of the fact that he is the centerpiece of Indiana Jones. He is the Jack Ryan, sorry, John Krasinski, that everyone thinks about. Uh, and then, yeah, he's mildly popular because of Star Wars. I,
2: I have a... <laughs> first of all, I'm really mad that Regarding Henry is not a franchise. Secondly... Sure. Yeah, yeah I, was,
0: I was also going to steer back in the Regarding Henry I think dream. even The
1: Fugitive could qualify because it's like an adaptation J. J. Abrams, of a TV show.
2: You, you picked the wrong thing to do. <laughs> Um, here's an important question about both of your entries. I actually don't know the answer for Dave's. Has your uh franchise money maker hero actor ever voiced a video game?
0: Ever mm. voiced, voiced a video a game? game? Feel free game. to feel
2: free to Google that. Mine has. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe Saldana voices Ahura in the 2013 video game Star Trek. So you know, just saying. Not all not all of the franchise goats do that. Sometimes they outsource the video game voicing to someone else. But Zoe Saldana is like, no, thank you. I'll take that paycheck. Thank you so much.
1: I mean, he has to have done it at some point, right? Oh,
2: no way. Did Harrison Ford ever get into a the recording studio voice to voice a video <laughs> game character? Are you kidding me? Did unless they ever lose? Like, unless they confused him, unless they just sort of like lured him into an airplane hangar, telling him that there was going to be a flight there. And instead they just ambushed and made him voice no, a video okay. game.
1: Okay, fine. So maybe Harrison <laughs> Ford hasn't voiced any video games as far as I can tell. But here's what he has done. I am mm. also looking from an all-star for someone who can not only lead a franchise or show up in a franchise. But I'm looking for someone who's taken some bold swings and failed miserably to start franchises. And here are two movies that Harrison Ford was in that they intended to be franchises. Ender's Game, which did not go very far. <laughs> and John Favreau's Cowboys vs. Aliens that mm-hmm. they really thought was going to spawn some sequels. And Harrison Ford was in both, and both so of them you're telling went nowhere. Me,
2: you're telling me that it's not about Harrison Ford; it's about the property that he's in. Harrison well, Ford alone cannot.
1: I'm just saying that his commitment to franchise storytelling is mm. so deep that he's willing to swing big and fail. Also, if we're going to count Avatar as one of Zoe Saldana's, despite the fact there's only one Avatar movie.
2: Oh my God! Uh, currently. There's- She's already filmed 900 more. <laughs> so come on.
1: We also need to consider that Harrison Ford is about to join the Yellowstone televisionary universe. He's going to be in the okay. spin off 1932 that's coming out have, on Paramount Plus, which we're is. playing real loose with franchise here. I have, I
2: have, <laughs> yeah, I have a question. I, I have a question. I, we need to go back for a second. Anil, yeah. as much as I am enjoying your monologues about Harrison Ford, um, if we're talking about franchise killers mm-hmm. with love and respect, do we need to look over at Dave Gonzalez right now and ask Dave, what happened with dark tower? (laughs) Dark tower
0: (laughs) was abbreviated in a way that is not Idris Elvis's fault. But the reason I want to give him credit as a MVP in this case is they tried to hang the dark tower franchise on him. Uh, They were going to abbreviate it. Dark tower is a seven plus book series by Stephen King, seven of the main ones. They still writing some like side ones. Uh, And, probably should be a tv series or maybe just it stay a book because it's really good in that way but they decided to make it a movie and they cast um uh Idris Elba as Roland the lead character and Idris Elba's uh not white and uh, we got to see another gross side of fandom that wasn't really you know thinking about things being like no this character's white and I've have the you know illustrated covers and uh Everybody had to fight back against that. And then the movie came out and it still wasn't good. So we all just sort of stopped remembering that Idris Elba is a pretty good gunslinger. It's the movie that's bad. Oh, oh, But I'm going to jump in here and answer uh, some other questions, uh, which is that um, apparently uh, Han Solo is voiced by Harrison (laughs) Ford in the Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens game.
1: So I can't imagine how that
0: happened. I need to uh, add something
1: to this.
2: (laughs) First of all, Mm -hmm. love and respect to our producers who chimed in with that one. Um, (laughs) Don't help again, but thank you for that. Um, Wait, wait, wait. I I haven't gotten to mine yet.
0: And Idris Elba is uh, one of the voice actors uh, just playing general military in Call of Duty through Modern Warfare 3 and uh, plays coach Ernie Ames, I'm told, in NBA 2020.
2: Okay, but, nice. what, but but what does that have to do with a franchise that he is a part of? Whereas Zoe is continuing her franchise into Star Trek. Also, I really want to hear now what Harrison Ford said in this in the Lego Star Wars. <laughs> like, did they just take lines from the movie, or did they actually like dangle some kind of carrot in front uh, of Harrison Ford? If he's Ford's credited, minion? then he got paid
0: for it. But again, that doesn't mean anything. You just be like, "That's not how the Force works." Say it again, Harrison. <laughs> no. Okay.
1: I love him He's perfect
0: Chewy We're home <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Joanna Yeah Are we ever going to see Zoe Saldana Break it big With her natural skin color Outside uh, of like Star Wars She's in
2: Star Trek Star Trek Yep uh, Outside of huge grossing Blockbuster Star Trek yep. She's also not blue or green In Pirates of the Caribbean
1: just Oh so. that's fair It's true It's true um, Here's the question though.
2: Yeah. When are we getting a center stage sequel? Great question. <laughs> I, I I would like to know the answer to that. That when was are we last getting... week's.
1: Last week's
0: was pitching a sequel, Joanna.
2: When are we getting drumline two? I don't know. Ask, ask, tell, tell me when. When are we getting a crossroads sequel? Call up Handsome Manson Mount and ask him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so here's here's where I think we're standing. Let me know if I'm mischaracterizing your pick here. Neil is like every franchise this dude touches is basically gold. Like you have a, a much higher success rate if Harrison Ford shows up because not he's willing them, to,
1: but most of them. Yeah.
0: Because he's willing to show up and take a swing, but he's like, has a long history. His career is still adding franchise entries, but maybe not as rapidly as it was before, unless we call the Jack London universe a thing. But Harrison Ford, solid rock. Mm-hmm. We have Joanna who's saying like, look, you don't have to show up and try things you just have to show up and do your job so well that your movie becomes like a high grossing movie and not only that but you don't have to like kickstart franchises a la avatar you need to like jet into other franchises based on existing material and provide an interpretation that also makes them successful does that sound good to you joanna
2: I don't know that I said any of that and I'm worried. I don't want to commit to anything because you're about to try to use it as a weapon against me. So why would I agree with you? I didn't say any of that. What's
0: your point? Uh, I think that I'm positioning somebody who may not be uh, like a continuing person. Like, you know, he doesn't have a Han Solo type character. He's going to come back for it. Maybe he comes back for more blood sport for suicide squad. But as we've seen with the nature of the suicide squad movies, you kind of don't need it. You could refresh the, uh, guy who's a good shot roll, um uh, but mine's sort of like um the the he he's peppered across a whole bunch of franchises and none of which are hits and none of which are bads i feel like i'm floating a big 50 50 success rate is oh my so Idrisombo so pitch.
2: so vote, vote vote dave vote vote, vote meh I don't know why I said vote <laughs> wrong twice. Also, I mean, our title
0: hasn't decided what greatest MV- franchise MVP even means. So yes, I'm trying to split how I think we each have a different argument for what that actually a, means. A vote
2: for Dave is a vote for Sonic the Hedgehog too.
1: Yes. A vote I for Hobbs and,
2: Hobbs and Shaw? That's I will a, proudly
1: take those things, yes. Okay, okay. Sure. all right. Let me see if I can break this down. So Dave's pick, Idris Elba, <laughs> is a vote for a diversity of... Roles, right? Eder Selva mm-hmm. shows up in a lot of different things. A lot of different things. Zoe Saldana has been in a lot of big, very successful franchises, but it's never really been the like the centerpiece of those franchises. But she doesn't know does...
2: who is who is Gamora. Why is Gamora?
1: I mean, that's, you, know, you could make an <laughs> argument, but then again, <laughs> she's also in the two Avengers movies in which there are 570 superheroes. But and where? She's like...
2: But where she's the pivot for so much <laughs> of what happened?
1: Maybe. Maybe. Um, and listen, it's hard for me to ta- to to say anything against Zoe Saldana because she's in one of my low-key favorite franchises, which is the Death at a Funeral franchise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she's Remakes are not rem- franchises. <laughs> Remakes are not franchise.
1: They both have Peter Dinklage. It's a franchise. <laughs> um, but I think my theory for the case on Harrison Ford is that it's not just that Harrison Ford is in a lot of franchises. It's that he is. A lot of franchises, right? What is Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford? What is Blade Runner without Harrison Ford? What is the Jack Ryan series without Harrison Ford? There's, there's no John Krasinski Jack Ryan without first a Harrison Ford Jack Ryan, and you know, dare I say, what is Star Wars without Han Solo? You know, think about that in the darkness of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one of my big questions was.
2: Uh, how shout out you... to our listener Greg who wrote that in an email by the way. that Neil <laughs> just looked
1: at that. What? <laughs> Which that part? He
2: is the franchise. Oh, it's not well. just in franchises he is. He is
1: franchise. franchises. Um yeah, so you know, one of the big questions is is it okay to just be in the bat in in a supporting role in a bunch of different franchises or do you need to lead a few?
2: I mean, that's a great question. I do not think you can argue that any of our picks are just supporting roles in the sure. franchises. I think that's true of some people. Some people show up to be supporting in a ton of different franchises, and that's their like, you know, like and, and Andy Serkis, right? Well, no, Planet of the Apes, he's he's our guy Caesar. Mm-hmm. So, but that that exists. But I don't think that's who Idris Elba and Zoe Saldana true. are. true.
1: It also doesn't feel entirely fair to lobby to to lob that at Zoe Saldana and Idris Elba because there's a lot of structural things about Hollywood that keep. Idris Elba and Zoe Saldana from leading large franchises, um, you know. So it's it's comparing sort of two different levels of what Hollywood has been interested in over the last fifty years. And uh, but uh, but you know, Harrison Ford, tough to beat because he's done it all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Should we do our listener submission? <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm just trying to look up if Harrison Ford's ever been in Law and Order because I think that's all we have, Joanna. I mean, just... <laughs>
1: No, but he was in a show, a long-running show, The FBI Story, or just called The FBI, which was like one of those shows that really originated what has become like the Law & Order, CSI, FBI, International, just super universe.
2: He was also a carpenter, and so was Jesus. So it's really hard. hard. (laughs) What
1: hasn't
0: Harrison Ford done? And so was Jesus.
2: (laughs) All right, let's...
0: Add some listeners in and figure out who's going to take the fourth spot on this week's poll. I'm going to go with listener Nathalie, who says, it's Mads Mickelson. He will be your bad guy in James Bond MCU or not-so-bad guy in Star Wars. Don't know what he'll be in the new Indiana Jones, but he is in it. And he is doing that fantastic beast thing that I don't care about, but still. Clash of the Titans, haven't seen it, but it sounds like a franchise. And he also was Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lamb Lam a thing. Cheers, Nat. Yes, all those things he was in in our franchises. I am doing this 100% because of Hannibal. I know. <laughs> sure. I miss sure. Hannibal being on, guys. <laughs> that was fun times for
1: Dave. Yep. All right. So that means we're up to me. And I have chosen one that comes from Riley. Riley. Riley says, while I am sure that each of you has put forth an excellent and compelling argument for compelling and interesting actors, I am writing in with what can only be described as an undeniable fact. Liam Neeson is the franchise king. I'm not any more excited about this than you are, but let's look at the facts. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars. Batman, The Chronicles of (laughs) Narnia, The A-Team, Clash of the Titans, there it is again, Men in Black, The Lego Movies. The man is so well-suited to franchise filmmaking that Hollywood gave him his own action franchise IP when he was, and this can't be overstated, 56 years old. And that movie spawned a whole movement of old man fighting movies that led to things like John Wick and Bullet Train. And that's the real snag here. When I heard the prompt, did my heart leap with joy at the thought of writing in with an email about Zoe Saldana,
0: of hey. course.
1: <laughs> Do I wish you had just finished reading an email about Hugo Weaving? Obviously, is Sam Jackson an undeniable force in and of himself? There is no question. But Mr. Neeson has a certain set of skills.
2: Mm-hmm. So there you have it,
1: Liam uh, um. Riley's case for Liam Neeson.
2: Thanks, Riley, for the for what I consider nope. your vote Riley's for like, Zoe like nobody's Saldana. happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with our listener, John, who wrote in, My pick for actor with the most impressive portfolio is Kate Blanchett. She's been in Lord of the Rings as Galadriel Lydia of Light, MCU as Hela, Indiana Jones as the evil Russian antagonist Irina Spalko, Oceans 8 as Lou, How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 3 as Valka, Cinderella as a stepmother. Most notable, I think, is that she's on the poster for Lord of the, Sh- the Rings Fellowship, Thor Ragnarok, Oceans 8, and Indiana Jones. Additionally, and not a requirement, I think she always goes for it when she's cast. I can picture oh no i I can't do this justice not dark but beautiful and terrible as the dawn from lord of the rings her breaking mjolnir from ragnarok or brain overlord overload in indiana jones all quite vividly i'm excited to see what franchise she joins next and i hope y'all agree um i love this i love this pick for kate um i like all these picks this is the hard part of the show Uh, all right i think we should band together and uh Neil and, and boot Mads because Mads is really only here because of Hannibal. So.
1: I mean, yeah, as as much as I do love Mads and as much as he is in
2: several did, franchises. Galen Urso. Ever heard of him? <laughs> Galen Urso himself. He designed the Death Star. Um. Yeah, I, I think, think he gets that- minus
1: points for his role in the MCU because he was just one of the more uh, poorly used Mads Mikkelsen Mr. Roles. Doctor,
0: that's strange. Yes, I agree. Man, I hate you guys. <laughs> All right. Fine, we could kick Mads, but I mean, I only did because watch- Class of the Titans can still maybe get back in.
2: <laughs> I did watch that entire uh, Fantastic Beasts movie because it was on HBO and I didn't have to pay for it. And mm-hmm. out of morbid curiosity, I watched it. And did he do a better job than Johnny Depp? He did, but still Colin Farrell by a mile in that role. So bring back mm-hmm. Colin Farrell or actually don't do any more of those movies. Okay. So it's down to Liam Neeson versus Kate Blanchett, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And this, mm. this one's tough because I like Riley's point about how Liam Neeson has not only been a franchise all-star throughout his career, but then very late in his career, sort of booted up not only a franchise mm. with taken, but like a whole subgenre yeah. of of films that's true. You know, a lot of the a lot of the people who are on were on our pretrial dismissals list have feasted off of Liam Neeson's success in Taken. So it's a pretty strong case for him, Inc- but
2: including Caitlin I would Schutt, argue too. Harrison Ford.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: Angry old man with a gun. <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> Um, the thing, the thing I would argue about Cate Blanchett is just that there feels like there's a diversity of options here in terms of like, and Ocean's 8 feels so different from Mm -hmm. Allure of the Rings, which feels so different from her CGI bodysuit in Thor Ragnarok, you know, I just... (laughs) Um which is very
1: different from like Cinderella, right? Which
2: is yeah, which is very different from <laughs> whatever her accent was in the Indiana Jones uh crystal skull. I can't believe that's yeah, that on here. <laughs> honestly, it's one of the things that sort of
1: works against Kate Blanchett, because Harrison Ford was at least in all the other Indiana Jones movies that are very good. <laughs> um, but she was in the bad one.
2: She was. I blame that on Ray Winston entirely and unfairly. Um <laughs> I don't know. What are you? What are you thinking? Is it Liam? Is it Kate? I'm wow. thinking about it. We should have picked Sean Bean as like the guy who dies at the beginning of every <laughs> franchise. and Doesn't get to make any sequels.
1: <laughs> I was 006. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, we started with the Hall of Fame of franchise killers. Sean Bean himself is the Hall of Fame of being killed in a franchise.
2: Yeah. <laughs> kill by killed by franchises. Sean Bean. <laughs>
0: I love the idea of Liam Neeson. And I mm-hmm. I hear what Neil's saying about being able to kickstart an entire franchise. But I feel like the sum total of franchises, if you were to put them, give them like all points, uh, Cate Blanchett comes out on top just for like sheer notability. She's like, she's faced your pick and my pick Neil as as a villain mm-hmm. and pretty much pretty much come out on top for the most part. I don't think she's fought Zoe Saldana yet, but I'm sure we'll get there.
2: Oh my god, I cannot wait. Oceans nine win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be willing
0: to uh let Liam Neeson um you know uh, fall go down it'll be, it'll
2: be overrun by a pack of wolves. Yeah, or I'm <laughs> I'm having trouble contacting
0: his force ghost and I can't even get him to show
1: up for three more weeks. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: We're gonna have to save Liam Neeson for the finale, I think.
1: Yeah, that would have really, really <laughs> sold it if he had, if he had popped up an Obi Wan already. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this one is a real toss up to me because I like both of these, and um, I think Kate Blanchett. The, that is the one thing about Kate Blanchett. I mean, Liam Neeson has phoned in plenty of performances in his career. He's he has a robust filmography, but I don't. It's hard to remember a time where Kate Blanchett just showed up and wasn't awesome. Like, just wasn't giving it hundred and ten percent. So I would lean towards, probably lean towards her. Even though you know Liam Neeson, I think would be very competitive in this poll.
0: He would be. So let's pick Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> I I came in so last. We didn't even do vote vote numbers this week, guys. Like, let's come on. Give me, give Dave a break.
2: Kate Blanchett. <laughs> she does have the most Oscars out of all of our uh Ooh. people here. Yeah. We're gonna take true. it.
0: Nobody, nobody shut me down when I said it, so we're gonna do it. I'm gonna wave my little gavel here. And our fourth pick is Kate Blanchett. All right. So, yeah, we did it. We have John's pick as our listener pick for Kate Blanchett, and you have our three picks of what you're about to hear. Closing arguments in reverse order of how we started. So we're gonna go Joanna, Neil, then myself. Joanna is bringing Zoe Saldana to the table.
2: Here's the deal about Zoe Saldana. I think what's true, and and I touched on this earlier, but I think what's true is that there have been so many movies that she's been in that should have been, like, who's not ready for more of The Losers? Or (laughs) me. (laughs) Uh, or Columbiana, like, come on. Like, I, I think, I think she should have been in so many more franchises than she already is. But I mean, the truth is she's in Avatar. It's not even a franchise I like, but she's in it. It makes all the money. Who cares if she's blue? She's there. Zoe Saldana.
1: All right. That means I get one more, one minute to tell you more about Harrison Ford. And (laughs) listen, Harrison Ford is also there. He's going to be grumpy. (laughs) There is a chance that he is going to get in some sort of plane-related injury situation that is going to throw your entire production off. But everything he touches is solid gold. The man, the myth, the legend, Harrison Ford. A vote for me is a vote for Han Solo and Indiana Jones and the OG Jack Ryan vote for Harrison.
2: I have a quick question, and I know this is illegal for me to bring this in right now, but like, do you genuinely think Indiana Jones Five is going to be good?
1: Yes, it's okay. being directed by James Mangold, who crushed it with Logan. It's
2: that's yeah. You know, so a good like, point. You make that
1: seals it for me. And Shia LaBeouf, from what I understand, not in it.
2: Okay,
0: <laughs> Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I will say something that maybe we needed more losers because that also started Drizella and Joanna, and I could have uh, could have trounced everybody and uh, to brought brought our own comic book adaptation uh, over Harrison Ford. But that's not the world we're living in. What we are living in is a world where my dude Idris is never going to be at the top of the pile because he knows he needs to be the supporting player. He's going to be the knuckles. To your Sonic. He's going to be Stacker Pentecost, which I bet you forgot that awesome <laughs> name for Pacific Rim. I did not. <laughs> and lead to some child issues. He is going to be the shitty boss in the American office to provide the counterpoint to Michael Scott Paper Company. It's Idris Elba who knows that the most important role in a franchise is to show up and be solid and not necessarily to show Idris Elba. Vote for him is a vote for him being the next James Bond. Oh. Oh, oh. oh, okay. One All of the right. great lies that's, of our time. Wow, the, <laughs> that's apoc- the, apo-
2: the apocalypse is canceled with I that. I guess last that's the promise. end of my
0: uninterrupted <laughs> minute. So that is Idris Elba, Harrison Ford, Zoe Seltana, and Kate Blanchett. Find our poll for the greatest franchise, All Star, on the ringer.com, on at ringer at Twitter, and in the Spotify app where you find trial by content. You choose the winner, and we'll announce it. Next week. Spare me, listeners. Spare me. All right. <laughs> next week, we're getting a little bit more animated. Neil, what's going on?
1: Well, Dave, we've got a big one next week because we are celebrating the lead up to Lightyear, which is about the real person behind the toy. Behind <laughs> <laughs> toy Story. <laughs> Uh, And to celebrate Lightyear and Pixar more generally, we are going to be debating the best Pixar movie. And this Mm. can be from both the pool of feature films that are very famous or short films, if anybody would like to talk about uh, any of the shorts. So there you go. The best Pixar movie, short or feature, just straight up, what is the best one? You can send your picks and a few sentences to support your pick to trialbycontent at gmail.com. And as always, you can send us uh, suggestions for future trials, uh, future trial by content topics. We made a list of them that is fantastic with the ones we've gotten so far. So please keep them coming. That email address again, trialbycontent at gmail.com.
0: So until next week, when you have fun voting for me and we're watching all of the Pixar films, (laughs) it's going to be a fun week for you guys. This episode was produced by Isaiah Blakely.